When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about It Follows from 2014, celebrating a 10-year anniversary this year. And um, I'm pretty sure this was your pick, Scott? Yes. Yes, Yes. it was. I am interested to dive into this because this was only the second time I've ever watched this movie. This is my Um, first. Oh, okay. This is a blind watch. That's even, oh, man. that's even more interesting to me. Um, Kyle, how many watches has this been for you? Because I feel like this was like probably something you had watched a couple times. Yeah, this is about four. This is about my fourth yeah. watch. Um, nice. I'm very eager to hear what you both think, but I'm just going to throw out there briefly and quickly, like this keeps climbing rank for me as far as like top horror films go uh, in my world. Um, and... All of the comparisons and stuff that have been made previously and especially at the time of the film's release have sort of like dripped away and it exists on its own for me now, which is a, a beautiful thing that a film can like um, rise above. Can ri- Yes, exactly. Rise above I'd the things that like what what the comparisons were back then, because I don't like I, mm-hmm. I got a it, this movie was like everywhere everyone was talking about it and like a fucking dipshit i was like this doesn't interest me i'm not gonna watch it and i just had no interest and then like you know what the gateway for this was was disaster pieces soundtrack for it i i Mm -hmm. heard the the main theme i was like this is fucking great i bought it on his band camp and then i found a copy at some record store and i bought it and and it's just it's so good. It's it's up there with like the Maniac 2012, and that's high praise because you that, love that, that soundtrack. And I'm trying. Yeah. Rob Rob was the uh, the composer for that, and um, it's very interesting because um, they are coming at it in a very similar way, which is kind of like uh, 
this it's like a movie out of time and also a soundtrack out of time it's very 80s inspired i did write that down that we have this scene pretty early on in the movie where they're watching the 50s movie killers from space they're reading on like a weird kindle app that i don't think has ever existed in the shape before. of a, a seashell, seashell right like yeah. in a seashell the wallpaper is like super 70s but their clothing is like very 90s like it mm-hmm. found this really interesting way of setting a super ambiguous time period like yeah. instantaneously which and i do like about that there's a fan theory that we'll get into about okay. all oh. that but kyle back to, i'm so sorry for getting sidetracked no no w- please. when this movie came out 10 years ago what were mm-hmm. they likening it to I mean, I think there was there was a ton of Carpenter comparison, and both in like the how okay. it was like more, and I wouldn't say how it was shot, but more in like the framing of everything and mm-hmm. the buildup. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot pacing of definitely ha- makes sense. Pacing yeah. a lot of Halloween reference, you know, yeah. Michael Myers type like thing coming, you know, like this uh, slow but not dumb. There was a lot of like. 80s pastiche happening mm. all at the same time because I think that this was around the same time that the first season of Stranger Things hits. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's just like this vibe that it's being compared to. Um, yeah. I'm probably based on the conversation that we're already having, the person who is the least into this movie. Mm. Get out. I wrote two different. <laughs> well, let me read the two different notes that I wrote because the first one I wrote very early on, and the second one I wrote about halfway through the movie. And the first note I wrote said that this film has one of the most perfectly executed opening sequences of all time, almost to the detriment of the rest of the movie for me. I think mm-hmm. that opening scene with Anne running through the street and it's this mm-hmm. single take and then jump cut to like a mutilated corpse on the beach is terrifying. Yeah. The other note that I wrote, this is probably the biggest film that I'm like wildly impressed by while still not into like i think that the Mm. camera work the music the performances the originality like all of it is top tier and yet i feel super bored half the time when i watch it and i am aware that i am like the minority in this like i know that this is like one of the most easily easily in the top 10 most beloved horror films of the last decade like celebrating its 10-year anniversary i still think Mm -hmm. that if someone was to make their list of the 10 best horror films from 2014 to 2023 that it follows would still be on that list for most people. And I would be like, hell yeah, absolutely. It should be there while simultaneously being like, but it's just not a movie I ever want to watch. Like so, it's not so it's for I think me. That, so much of that is pacing, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's really, it's a dread. The movie is dread because, and I think that's mm-hmm. important for the entity, for the follower, because the follower doesn't give a fuck about what you want pacing wise. Yeah. It just yeah. walks. And yeah. I mean, let, I mean, we'll get into the thing that I loved so much because this movie was more of an experience than a watch for me because like mm. I'm watching it and the lore is just or like you guys know daddy loves some SCP foundation so this is yeah. like straight up an entity that would have been in containment in some mm-hmm. SCP story and actually like there there is a similar entity that I want to talk about later. I what are you talking about? What is what is oh. what, what is the thing that you're? Oh, I've talked about SCP so many times. Have I never explained what it is? You might. I don't have, think Kyle has been here. When I'm not sure. About I, it. I think that was a oh. lot of Brian episodes. Okay, so the SCP Foundation is basically like 
a wiki. It's mm-hmm. like a um, it's a collection of these shorts, like a, a collective of short stories that get built upon, and they're all horror related, oh, cool. um, or okay. like horror. It's kind of like Twilight Zone, but a lot of it is is so it's um, secure, contain, protect SCP, and th- there's and there is like so it's this shadow government and um, mm. or extra ex. Um, Outside of the government, X Files is probably the better comparison. Oh, maybe, yeah, honestly. maybe it's more X Files. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. more X Files in the fact that it's an anthology series about the agency that is protecting us from yes, these yes. creatures. Yeah, but there's like all these creatures, and they have different cool. levels of of um. There are different threat levels. There's yeah. like, uh, and and they're named after um. I want to say angels, something like that. But there's like there are ones that are just um, small time. They'll kill a person. There are ones mm-hmm. that will not kill anyone. Um, they they have like threat levels like neutralized. If they've been able to neutralize, a lot of it is containment because they cannot destroy these creatures because yeah. there's a lot of dead man switches where if they they kill a creature, um, there is some sort of like cataclysmic, yeah, world ending, world destroying or like reality unraveling type yeah. thing. Oh, cool. There are like orbs, like um, kind of cursed objects. Throughout it, it's not just Monster of the Week type stuff. There's this, this, these recurring characters. There are some scientists and um, people that are on the extra military teams that go out and f- catch or recatch the That's cool. creatures. Um, and then there are D-class who are detainees who are usually like food or test subjects to see what the awful effects that these creatures do to huh. them. But that was like my favorite way to unwind when I was yeah. waiting at work for something to run. You know, like if I was waiting for some process to finish, I was like, oh, I'll go yeah. read an SCP. Cause some of them are, you know, can take a minute. Some of them can take 10 minutes. Some of them mm-hmm. are these longer stories that just take like days to get through because you have, cause they're like cross-referenced with other, creatures and it's super super cool um highly recommend yeah. it to anybody um that likes horror because also they're rated and edited by multiple people in the collection collective and so they're like yeah they they're better than one person writing all yeah. this but very lovecraftian very um like lots of cosmic horror i'm almost thinking that scott i'm going to use this as an opportunity to promote the patreon real quick Ooh. i actually think that your next patreon episode should be telling kyle and i like your top five i've had that SCP. on my to-do list for forever yeah. but it, i think it, it's I time this is i think that that's what i think, think about the follower as like an scp as that an makes SCP, a lot yeah. of sense like that absolutely makes a lot of sense because there is it's this just dropped in real world reality thing that we're dealing with and yes. that so there there is a knowledge of how to deal with it but there's really mm-hmm. no clear way of how to deal with it and the, like, the question is like where did it come from and right and you know the, it's really interesting so the the entity that it that comes to mind is uh scp-096 now that entity is kind of like a it's an emaciated humanoid i believe that it is kind of sexless um mm. but it has like extremely oh, well, long. Then it's not this because this thing's got titties i've seen them <laughs> <laughs> lots of boobs in this movie and none of them are good um but i think that's what's so great i love the follower the follower like just mm. the fucking lore of this creature is mm-hmm. incredible to me because it leaves enough to the imagination while also being incredibly graphic about what it does to you now we'll talk about greg's death because that to me i love that that 
you know, like Matt comes out the gate here, like, you know, I appreciate this movie for what it does, but at the same time, nothing tops that intro scene. Greg's death, mm. man, it was. Well, that's it, a different I could type not of believe topping. That they went. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> wow. But I could not believe that they went there. But yes, anyway, so, no, it's, so it's you know, like it's got its like. Don't get me wrong. There are scenes like a scene that I think is in my mind. I think a scene that is great, and then I kind of lose interest almost instantaneously. Is the scene where they're on the beach? Oh yeah. And it cuts to that shot, and you see a girl walking in the distance, and then yeah. it cuts to the friend, <sighs> and then it cuts back, and the girl's not there. And I'm like, that's brilliant. But then we, I think my biggest problem with It Follows is anytime that it does, for a lack of a better term, like invisible man shit. And I, oh, and I'm, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, God, the invisible man stuff doesn't work for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's because maybe I've been pampered that like a couple years later, we got the 2020 version of the invisible oh, man, with, which I think uh, is like Elizabeth's Moss. Moss. Yeah. And it's that to me is like, one of the greatest because uh, i think doing any invisible man movie is already a tough sell That's we've tough. done we've done hollow man here we know <laughs> yeah. how rough it can get Invisible um, Mania. It, now, Let's that's, go. Mania, that's, how that's, <laughs> that's how good it can get <laughs> that's right and yeah. it's right it's it's invisible maniac 2020 yeah. <laughs> uh, invisible man <laughs> that's everybody they're, they're, real high they're right there i mean but but yeah it's like those moments that just like don't I don't want to say they take me out of the movie, but I'm just like, man. And then when they're hiding in the shack and shooting at the creature walking, I'm like, okay, I'm back. Like, yeah. See, the shooting doesn't do it for me. No, the shoot. I mean, look, the idea that they can shoot this thing is kind of dumb to me in general. And I really, I I wrote this down too, where I said, I always feel like the pool set piece is one of the most underwhelming endings to this movie. Like just her in the pool, the creature throwing the electronic devices in the pool and it not doing what their plan was in the first place. And then they like essentially shoot it in the head and do they kill it or not? Who knows? I mean, obviously it's, we're getting a sequel this year and it's very implied in the final shot that they didn't kill it. But mm -hmm. it is one of those things where I'm just like, why would you think that that worked? Yeah. Well, I think that that's the whole point is that they're out of ideas and then they yeah. come It's also, this is a huge homage to eighties kids save the day movies. That, and the what kids, did kid they logic. do? It's kid yeah. logic. And, you know, the dreamlike quality is something that I felt a lot. And then I was reading some theories and it's kind of like they're in limbo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That they that they don't actually they're not. This isn't actually happening in the real world because, like, you don't see any parents. And the only yeah. parents you see, like, I think you see... You um, see Greg's mom, obviously, but that's Greg, about Greg's it. mom? Well, but you see Greg... You only see Greg's mom before she kills him. Yes. You see, for a second, you... Well, you see her twice. Um, What's what's the... What's the first guy? The guy that gives it to... Um, uh, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff Raymond. You see Jeff yeah. Raymond. You see mom. Jeff's mom twice because she's the follower. She's in the shape of the follower as he's you know, kind of doing the exposition about the entity. And then he, you see her again when they find his real house. And that was the first time I caught that, actually, which was interesting. Like, I didn't fully get that. And then he, I remember he said that there's that, like, they sometimes come in somebody that you love to try to, like, trick you, right? Like, yeah. Um, but the thing cool. is, is that every time you see a, a um, like, a death blow, I, mm -hmm. I hate to say that term, um, every, anytime you see the follower about to make a kill or mm -hmm. making a kill 
Um, it's always a, it's always the parent, the opposite sex of yeah. the kid mm. that's being attacked. And Annie at the beginning, she is running away from her dad. And then she mm. calls her dad on the phone and saying, I'm, I'm so sorry, I love you and mom, all that. So to me, it's heavily implied that mm. the follower comes to her in the shape of her dad. To me, is is pretty obvious that it's written as the follower's final form, more or less, yeah. is your parent of your the parent. opposite sex. I um so just you know that's all we see here, but that's yeah. the only time we see parents in this movie. So the only time we see parents at. is that's true. Um, something that I I do think, unless I'm misinterpreting things that happen in this movie, when Jay gets this passed to her. For all of the negative things that we say about that you can say about Hugh slash Jeff in this movie, the person who gives this disease to to Jay, this this creature to Jay, he runs down all the rules. He runs down how to protect yourself. He he gives he's given the audience exposition. He's providing Jay exposition. Mm-hmm. It seems like there are multiple scenes in this movie where the implication is that Jay or even Paul goes and has sex with somebody else yeah, they to do. pass it on, but they don't explain the rules because that quickly the creature is following them again. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she swims out to that pool. She swims out to that boat with guys, and then they still have to kill the creature a day or so later because she's yeah. probably not being thorough the way that she, the way that Hugh was of saying like, you, like you have to be on the constant move. You have to like mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Like, there's so many things that you have to do to even give by yourself some extra time. Yeah. And she's simply not that, like, doing it. He <laughs> was dating her. He So he was dating Jay. So he definitely liked her. Mm-hmm. And Jay does things that she definitely doesn't want to do Yeah, mm-hmm. to survive. And so I think that there is, uh, I mean, like those three dudes on the boat, she's doing something that she doesn't want to do to... Yeah buy herself some time if i were in the same position would i tell them i mean yeah it would you you'd want to explain it but you don't have the time you know like yeah yeah there's no relationship there jeff was like very clear where he's like look you got to keep moving you got to keep doing whatever it takes because if mm-hmm. this thing fu- fucking thing gets to you it's coming right back to me next well like, so that's the strategy though that yeah. i think and like that's again there's a little bit of kid logic that works here like when you do something that tries to get you out of trouble and you like sort of pin it on another person right there's like this there's this very like trying to be mature but you're still a child thing that happens so then jay choosing not to tell them is a strategy but it doesn't buy her necessarily more time but what's gonna what's gonna be worse trying to then defend yourself to you know the guys on the boat or to just run and just hope that they can figure it out you know um speaking of kid logic there's so uh, many no, there's so many nondescript sodas in this movie <laughs> that I just got a Dr Pepper. <laughs> everybody, everybody's drinking soda. Um, um, so and I made a Sex on the Beach. <laughs> yes! yes, I don't even like you, orange juice. Um, you so madman. <laughs> that's that's in a couple weeks, buddy. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oops, spoilers. Spoiler. Oh, that's um, that's <laughs> terrible. Why would you ever order this? Oh, my God. Well, let me so, tell you the rules to sex on a beach. Um, so, well, I think it's funny that the director, okay. the writer and director of this movie, um, David Robert Mitchell, has said that, like, 
he basically couldn't show the movie, like show the script to anyone until it was done because he realized while he was reading it that like there's no way to explain this movie that doesn't sound like the worst film idea in the world. Yeah. Like, he's Dude, a like, million percent. He's That's like, I had I, to just have I a finished script it. to hand them to you like, know? cause like, there's no elevator pitch for this. No, exactly. No. Cause it's like your elevator pitch. You know, who's going to get real excited about the movie pitch of a killer STD. Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, like okay. you're going to be making, <laughs> we were, you're going to be making a trauma movie. A, that, that's a horseshoe <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's walking. You're walking a very fine line here. Yeah. 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 Oh maybe, God. maybe it's, you know, as thin as a pube. <laughs> maybe Scott. So here's a question also. Mm -hmm. Do you have to have unprotected sex to pass on the entity, to pass on the follower? Well, or so can that, you use a condom? I, I, because of the ambiguity of the timeline of it, it makes, and everything's sort of like stripped down, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I that's... imagine that like this idea of contraception or safe sex doesn't really exist in this world i mean there's there's this feels like a weird alternate universe that doesn't have this sort of like you know because we don't even say we don't say sex at all in this no. if yeah. i remember correctly we don't say the word sex at all I so think i think that, that there's like sex. yeah i don't think that they say like really anything it's just passing it on right you're giving it mm -hmm. to somebody else like it's all of this stuff so that, like that's kid logic though i love that, that you brought logic. that up because like it makes so much sense that all the decisions that they make and the way that they view their fucking terrible situation mm -hmm. and is like, oh, let's go drink on a beach. I really loved the casting because yeah. when you watch so many horror movies where they're supposed to be in high school, they look they're they're always twenty four years old. Mm -hmm. Jay is supposed to be taking college courses, and she goes and she's drinking, I believe, a margarita with Jeff, Hugh, whatever you want to call him. So I believe that they are 21 or older, but the casting, she looks so young yeah. um, that that I really found that to be very, very off-putting in a certain mm -hmm. way, but also um, I found that very interesting because it feels like when I look at college students, because like I live in a college town, if I'm ever, if I ever drive through campus, I'm like, they look so young. They look like, did I look like that yeah. when I was in college? Yeah. Did I look like that when I was finally able to buy myself a six pack of beer? I guess. But at the same time, it's like when you're, <laughs> when you're that age, you look like you, you feel yeah. like the right age, but also it's just this kind of infantilization of, of, of all these characters. And so kind of there are no good people in this movie which is very interesting like they're all kind of bad but they're bad in like an immature way there's no yeah. like they're not actually malicious they're just no. trying to get themselves out of trouble like you said well it's also i mean most of them are still not known names but the mm -hmm, fact yeah. that in 2014 it was like you just buy them as kids cuz they're which is impressive it's impressive that this movie was as big and successful as it was with like no huge name in front of it basically a first time director i mean it's his yeah. second movie but like no one saw his fifty thousand dollar sundance film you know what i mean like everyone's starting out fresh from scratch and it became like a huge thing like this yeah. this movie was made for 1.3 million dollars and made 23.3 million dollars like that's Wild. nothing to be ashamed of mm -mm. for a first time 
like essentially a first time director with a completely original script based on no <clears throat> previous source material and no big name star yeah. to promote it. That was just strictly like word of mouth. I'd say like arguably maybe the most famous person in the movie is like and it's only because I'm a weirdo is the actor who played Paul was the star of Atypical which is like the most critically acclaimed but nobody watched Netflix show <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> so like I don't know I, I don't know there's like I said there's a oh, lot I vaguely to love remember Atypical yeah. yeah, I only yeah. know about it because of Matt. Like I said, there's a lot to love in this movie, and I do think it's a great movie. Like when I was watching it, I was like, I wish I liked this movie more because there's mm-hmm. so much to love about it's it. It's Definitely a cinematographer's movie, though. Yeah, you know, like it's it's, well, it's, it's an it's a it's a a very yeah. um, art school movie, and I don't ha- I don't say that in a mean way. Like sometimes yeah. I definitely shit talk what we discuss on here for that same reason, but. If it's done with love and it's done with like, there's nothing wrong with being technically proficient as long mm-hmm. as you're not bashing the viewer over the head yeah. with your technical proficiency. Yeah. And and like for a pretty minimalist horror movie, um, the wide shots really work for me. And mm-hmm. the, the there are some cool in camera things that they do with moving the camera. Yeah, like there's a scene where they walk into the school and the camera almost does like a full yes. spin to the exit, and mm-hmm. it's like it's. You know, at the end of the day, it's like all they're doing is just turning a camera. But like it, it looks whatever they're doing with the way that the camera's moving, it feels. Yeah. I mean, he said that he wanted the movie to feel like a dream, and like yeah. it has that exact effect of like turning in a dream, <laughs> where mm-hmm. it feels like slightly off. Everything feels slightly off in this, and it's so it's what makes it so dread inducing. Well, it's so I mean, so I'm, consistent too. There's not yeah. like you're saying, Scott. There's nothing that we're getting bashed over the head with. Like everything really has purpose and consistency to all those movements or all that framing or you know. And this, I mean, we're also talking about like this is a few years after the Safdie brothers have really like they haven't done uncut gems yet but they're 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 sort of stirring in this like New York City like film scene and doing things like this these long shots and watching scenes from far away and doing all this stuff which is not clear you know they're they're not the um Know, proprietors of that but they certainly have made it more popular in the past 10 years you know 10 15 years so seeing stuff like that applied to horror is really fun you know i think jeremy saunier does some of that stuff in true detective like not to that extent but then at the same time the safety brothers can be so annoying with this like they can just like slam you with it and i just think this has a very light hand and which is great for horror because it could be far it could be far more annoying than it is hi friends the world got you down don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Kyle, I think you literally just made me tack on something to my what did I watch this week just mm. by mentioning that so we'll but unless we have anything else to say no this movie Scott, is so good and I'm really actually quite glad that I waited 10 years to watch it ironically well, you got to enjoy it without everyone being like isn't it so good like when no you the thing you is that it. everybody told me that it was so good on like 
Reddit horror, and yeah. I was like, fuck that. Well, Reddit horror was always the... Well, because Reddit horror, especially in 2014, was the source of bad takes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm um, very glad, though, that, that this just kind of clicked, and this was a perfect viewing experience for me. There we go. Well, I Scott, I know it was a perfect viewing experience, but let's say you wanted to make it even more perfect. What would your double feature be? So, we've been talking a lot about kid logic. I'm going to go with arguably my all-time favorite horror movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, because it's this it's basically what they're doing. They're do they, right. they have it's the kids save the day. They they booby trap a house. They try and kill this entity that will keep coming after you no matter what you do. I and and it's like it would be it would be a really good night. I think I would start with it follows, and then I would end with Nightmare on Elm Street. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in here because I'm going to pick a different teen horror film that's final set piece takes place in the school pool that I think is a little bit more fun. The faculty. <laughs> <laughs> Killer grownups. I'm fine with that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right, and Kyle. Um, I so before I do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to Horrors of Love did a It Follows episode, which is Ooh. very fun. So if you want to dig even deeper to It Follows, um, Horrors of Love did an episode on it, which I loved last year. Um, but I'm actually going just on music alone, which actually Scott already referenced. Uh, I'm going to go Maniac, yeah. the remake. I totally, completely different, but like you know, same time There's period. There's a lot like, but cinematically there. I just think, I, you know, yes, like I it, think that like you're gonna have two different experiences with like at least like one sensory experience being similar, um, you know. So uh, I think it could be a fun double feature. And right. I love I love Maniac 2012. Mm. It is yeah. I mean it's it's so outside of my regular wheelhouse because there's mm. so much brutality against women. Yeah, and that's I mean I, I truly truly dislike the original, but man. Maniac 2012. I mean, I we did it on this show. I went on Jersey Ghouls and discussed it. Um, we did it on Reddit Heart Club. We've never done Maniac. We haven't done it on here. on here. No. <gasps> I know. So you can guys. You can still make that happen. But uh, I don't think that anybody wants me to talk about that movie ever again, though. I mean, I've, they've heard hey, me talk about it. Now. We're here. We're here for you to live your best life. And thanks, buddy. You know, we always love to know what you've got going on. So let's talk nice. about the what's going on segment. Uh, nothing too crazy. Just, hey, get your tickets for Creature Feature Weekend, April 19th to the 21st. On the day that we're recording this, we just found out that Tommy Lee Wallace will be one of the guests. So, hell yeah. He's practically horror movie night royalty. And go check out some of our bonus conversations. Go to the Patreon, patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. And lastly, visit our website, hmnpodcast.com. Buy yourself a t-shirt. Buy yourself some swag. Show everybody how much you love our show or get compliments on how funny your shirt is. Who knows? <laughs> but now, the final segment of the show, what did you watch, read, etc.? Man, we need a catchier name, but that's fine. Scott, this was your pick. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah, what did you do? <laughs> you don't want to know what I did. Um, so... It's so funny that you mentioned True Detective because um, Megan was like, do you want to watch True Detective? I was like, no, actually, I don't. There have been three seasons, and I do not want to watch four seasons of a TV show. Well, it's I don't an anthology show, show, so you can just jump into any And season. that's what we are doing. We started with season four, and we mm -hmm. just finished the first episode last night. The thing about True Detective that I am really on the fence about is 
I, the pacing. I mean, first of all, the pacing because it's TV pacing, which is hard for me. But um, they're also they they breadcrumb you a lot with. I mean, it's it's a detective show. It's a the, it's a procedural at its heart. But there's spooky shit, and I, and no one tell me otherwise, one way or the other. I'm not asking for any input. I'm just saying that the frustrating thing is I don't know if there's any spooky shit actually happening, or if there's a or if it's like an Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot type thing where it's like not actually supernatural. I'm guessing it's not actually supernatural. But this season is really fucking cool so far. So cool. Nice. Have you guys started um, watching it at all? I've never watched a single second of True Detective. Uh, I, I couldn't will have said probably, that until oh, yesterday. Yeah, you guys. I, I probably will. <laughs> I think everyone has told me that season four is off to a good start. Season one is like must watch TV. And season you love two TV. and three is for your discretion. Like some mm-hmm. people love seasons two and three and some people are yeah, undecided no, on it. See, season one, um, just with the stuff that you're wrestling with, Scott, and the stuff that you would like, Matt, I, it's worth watching. Um, I know it's I know it's one of the ones I have to watch. I so talking about my love of TV and you mentioning the Zafty brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Curse, okay. uh, the show that they did with Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone, but I will say that I have not stopped thinking of the final shot <laughs> of the final episode of the curse for over a week and a half now. <laughs> um, and I like keep just finding myself listening to like discourse on like, what does the ending mean? Like mm. what, like what is the show about? Um, and the curse is like a very strange show. Uh, it, I think that people are mostly going to hate it. And then there'll be like in 10 years, like a huge reevaluation of it ultimately. Yeah. But the very softball pitch of this show is that Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone play two uh, white people living in a land, living on land that was originally Native American land, um, and they're trying to do a house flipping show in this area while also trying to respect the local heritage um, and ultimately come off like very false white saviors to everybody in the community. Mm. Um, And they just keep digging themselves into a deeper hole, but simultaneously Nathan Fielder in an attempt to film a scene to make him seem more likable. uh, Impossible. Pisses off, pisses off a local and gets a curse put on him. Um, And he is convinced that everything bad that's happening to him is because of the curse. While we, the audience are like, no, you're just a, you're just a bad person who's making bad decisions throughout the whole show. Uh, and then it takes a really crazy twist in the final episode, which I won't talk about on here. But if if Scott and Kyle wanted to save themselves the time after recording, I'm happy to tell them how it ends. Uh, but don't know if I can hard recommend that. But what I can hard recommend is a movie that I think was snubbed uh, at the Oscar announcements on the day that we're recording this, at least in the animated feature category. Uh, I finally watched... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and it is mm. so much fun. Ooh. It is so charming. It is it is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie I was making with the toys in my basement as a child, where it's literally just like, A, you've got the all four of the turtles are voiced by actual teenagers. It's just like they got a bunch of 12 and 13-year-old kids and let them completely improvise and have fun with the dialogue so it feels very loose and free. And then they've got everybody in there. 
Uh, they don't have Baxter Fly, which is weird. They have a character <laughs> named Superfly instead, who's clearly Baxter Fly, uh, mm. which bothered me. But they who got, didn't sign off the rights on Baxter Fly. I know, but <laughs> they got like <laughs> who did? This? Who owns the rights to Baxter Fly? <laughs> yeah, they Wait, got Mondo why, Gecko why is, is in there. I think like Mutant Gin Man. I think shows up at one point, but it's like any any nice. like animal mutant from the history of of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is in this movie because the essential plot is that the slime that made the turtles, the turtles and the splinter splinter also hit a bunch of other animals at the same time. But all of these other animals didn't have a splinter teaching them to be good. So you've got this whole group of evil mutants that see the turtles as their brothers and are trying to coerce them to the dark side. <laughs> uh, it's, but it's so fun. It's so loose. It's so fast. It's I, I, 10 out of 10, high recommend. I think I put it as like my number three or number four favorite film of 2023. Wow. And I thought it was at least going to get an animation award, mm. but I don't know. It's a weird year. There's a lot of great animated films, but Miyazaki came out of retirement after 20 years. So like, he's just like, he's just getting all the awards now. Mm. So it's a real bummer for any other animated film in 2023. <laughs> but uh, Kyle. Take us home. Well, this segment's brought to you by Max, uh, because I watched Love Has Won, uh, okay. which is the Cult of Mother God uh, documentary, oh, three-part documentary. Um, and heard polarizing uh, reviews, uh, so here's my two cents. Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think that the, the case itself is really interesting. Um, the fact that the cult is still active and exists uh, is really interesting, and a lot of them are part of the documentary. Um, but also they are a cult that's built uh, upon a little bit of commercialization. So I think that like that helps in their favor. Um, yeah, in their mind, but, it's like no press is bad press, basically. Right. I mean, and <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the the whole idea of love is one, or uh, what it eventually becomes, love is one, is that they live stream every day. Like they are active, and like they've so there's a lot of evidence and footage and segments of that that are involved. Um, but it's also like. The story of it kind of um, makes a lot of sense, <laughs> you know, like the, the if you could sort of put it's almost like a Mad Libs a little bit like it, it just, you know, this woman uh, aban abandons her children and she starts a cult all about love. Uh, and then she takes uh, a lot of she, she makes an excuse for her excess um, and her mental health issues evolve more because of the excess in what, what she's taking excess in and a whole bunch of people think that that's lovely uh you know it's like it's it, i i really enjoyed watching it uh i would say that if you have trouble watching a person in actual physical and mental decline um yeah. that's that's something to take note of when you're watching it or take note of when yourself when you watch it because i mean it starts just I'm not, it starts out with the body cam footage of them going into the compound and finding her body. So like, and we see her body. Um, so like, that's a great way to kick things off. Um, but it's a really, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting doc. I think that there's a couple more things they could have done better, but uh, it's only, it's three parts and it's a great overview of, of that cult and of that story. All right. Well, We'll be, uh, we'll have a funnier episode next week. <laughs> <laughs> just, just make sure that you go to our socials and follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't forget to it follow us. And we will be back next week with even more Horror Movie Night.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 